So, good evening, everyone, uh, and welcome to Page Chewing, uh, hosted by the wonderful Steve Talks Books and myself. Uh, honored to be here. And uh, we were just saying before the broadcast that this continues what we've dubbed uh, Page Touring uh, All Star Weekend, somewhat of a marathon. It started on uh, on Saturday, interviewing um, the wonderful Mark Timoney and, uh, and and Thomas Howard Riley, and then this morning at seven a.m. We had Zunil Akhtar and uh, some amazing bloggers, maybe between the pages, um, Taylor and um, Laura Lullabies, Lana. And now to wrap up this 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 momentous weekend, uh, we have uh, two incredible uh, authors and SPFBO finalists, uh, one current and one former in uh, Angela Board and uh, Chris Matar. So welcome and thanks so much. We're honored. Honored Thank to have you, you very much for inviting us on. It's always a lot of fun to do this, especially with friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It is amazing. Um, you know, I obviously, you know, uh, you two have both been are are pretty well known in the writing community uh, for for your works and and for the, the wonderful people you are. But for the the rare person that that isn't familiar with your work or or about uh, about you both, uh, would you like to? introduce yourselves and just say a bit about your work and uh, and anything else you'd like to say? I'll let Angela go first. Oh, oh. we can't hear you, Angela. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Technical difficulties. Okay, now? Yes, now. Yes. Okay, good. This headset's been giving me trouble for Last week at QuarenCon, it didn't work either, so um, hopefully it won't do anything else. But I'm Angela Ward, and I w was a uh, Spiffo 5 finalist with Fortune's Fool, um, which is, yeah, Crystal's got it right there. Thank you very much. And um, it is, Fortune's Fool is kind of a twisty, Renaissance-inspired, um, kind of epic, romantic fantasy um, I'm also writing something which is a little bit darker, um, and it's a portal fantasy, and that'll be out this, uh, hopefully this summer sometime. Uh, it's called Through Dreams So Dark, so that's kind of me and what I write. It's really good. She won't say it's, it, but I I'm will. It's really, really good. <laughs> it's, it's been my problem child for a long time, but hopefully soon. It, you're almost there. I'm, I'm, I'm reading there. it. I'm reading yeah, it while she's she doing a revision, and it's just like, I can't wait for this thing to hit. I, it's gonna, it's gonna be good. Boy, it tells so. the line in the grim dark, I think. <laughs> yeah, it does a little bit, I think. It's it's a bit darker than Kira's story. I guess yeah. I should introduce myself. Uh, <laughs> my, I'm Crystal Matar. I wrote uh, Legacy of the Brightwash, which is um, I'm calling it romantic grim dark. So it's it's a little bit bleak and a little bit heavy and a little bit rough around the edges but also there's a core of hope and and love that hopefully balances it out for most people um and it's a spiffball finalist this year um so anyone who wants to check that out should definitely check out the leaderboard and see how tight that leaderboard is nobody knows who's gonna win <laughs> um and i'm working on the next book um legacy of brick and bone that should be coming out eventually but we'll see when <laughs> yeah it's amazing oh questions already <laughs> Peter, Peter, we're meant to be read not chewed i disagree and, 
he has uh, both of your books in oh. ebook form. Oh, oh, thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very, very popular books. Um, before I forget, I would be remiss. Um, so on our podcast this morning, um, both Lana and Taylor want to pass on that they are fangirls of both of your no. works. And oh, no. uh, maybe between, wow. I, I'm pretty sure Taylor is currently reading Legacy of the Brightwash. And oh, wow. um, yeah, they, they both I'm... want to pass on that that they're they're big fans. Um, I, you know, when and... I, Whenever I hear that someone's currently reading it, I feel compelled to apologize for all the things that I'm about to do. <laughs> yeah, they um, they and uh, Lana want to mention that she backed uh, the Kickstarter for Alchemy of Storm. Oh, oh, thank, thank you, you. thank so, you very so, much, Lana. Which is, which is maybe you two can uh, can speak about about that as well. So, yeah, the Kickstarter. Um, so Virginia McLean, um, who is a force of nature and a wonderful person, put together um, an anthology, and the theme was grief. Um, and, and hope in science fiction and fantasy. Um, and so that, you know, as soon as she said it, and I guess that was um, over a year ago now that she started. Yeah, because I don't, I don't think yeah. I was even published yet. And she trusted me. <laughs> um, or I guess I'd published a short story, but not, not a novel. But anyway, um, yeah, she got us all on board and she, uh, she put together just that amazing um, theme that really seems to be resonating with people, as we saw by how quickly we funded. Yeah, and um, the we're due to start producing copies um, this autumn, so that that's going really well. Angela's story is great. I'm yeah, well, contractually obligated to say that. Well, <laughs> <laughs> story. All, the stories are really amazing. Yeah, and they all really amazing jobs. So it's been um, exciting to work on it too, because it's just like when you're involved with that many other writers, kind of pulling toward the same goal. Yeah, and just the energy has been really great. So yeah. Yeah, just the shared the shared um, enthusiasm and you know indie indie fantasy and indie science fiction is such a community driven um, vibe to begin with. But then once we all got our hands into the the production of this anthology, it just boosts that up quite a few levels. And that was that's been really. Yeah really amazing to be a part of. So thank you very much to Virginia McLean yeah. and to everybody else yeah. writing. Yeah. Yeah, Virginia McLean is a complete force of nature, a fantastic she's author really in her own right. And yeah. she does, you know, she's so involved in the writing community. She's an SBFPC, the self-published science fiction fantasy blog of Judge. Yeah. She's a former SBFBO, I believe, finalist and some yeah. finalist. She's, yeah, her, the caliber of her writing is outstanding. I've read her. I read at least one of her books, and it was great. Uh, Sarah's Claw. Yeah. I plan to read the rest of her yeah. books. And but just um, the caliber of all the writers involved in your anthology just through the roof. Like wow, you know, talk about an all-star um, lineup. So uh, hats off to you. And uh, apparently, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, you know, uh, you've already you know, sold out of, of, of the, the, the pre-order, you know, copies that are, is that correct? Like, uh, it, or? I don't remember. I, th I think the, uh, I think what we did was we, um, we will produce a limited number and we sold some of them directly through Kickstarter. 
and then the rest will be available through broken binding once they're um, all done. So there are some available and they'll go up for grabs eventually, but the way things are going, I don't think they'll be there long. So uh, definitely once they're ready at broken binding, we'll be making a lot of noise to yeah. get them moving. Yeah. Oh yeah, we'll be all, all behind supporting that. Wow, what fantastic. Just congratulations on that kind of success. Even just getting the thing funded is, a huge, yeah. huge success. Yeah. That was an interesting day. That was, we weren't sure what to expect. And then we kept watching yeah. the, I'll just come in and we're like, wow. That's <laughs> yeah. I, I, just, I don't think anybody did anything else that day. No, we were, we were just, just watching, watching the numbers turn over. <laughs> and it was, it, it, it's something like 36 hours that we got to yeah. 100% funding. Oh, like it was, yeah. yeah. And it then, and like we were getting ready to launch it and Virginia was saying if we could get to whatever the number was like 20% in the first day usually that means the math means that you'll fund and so we were like crossing our fingers for 20% yeah. and then uh, <laughs> it 20% was pretty easy it turned out well I guess I mean they did a lot the, there was a lot of work behind the scenes I don't want to make it sound like it was easy but um it just it just flew so fast and people were so incredibly supportive yeah, um, we were floored by the support yeah that we had february to fund um and we were wondering if we would make it and then yeah. <laughs> we did <laughs> wow. yeah it's incredible yeah hats, hats off to you guys that that's amazing so um you know so i mean on top of your own work which for both of you, which has been very successful, um, you know, to have something like that, that's, that's a big deal. Um, you know, I, I guess, um, I also want to pose a question to you both, um, that I, we had, um, Holly Tinsley and Tim Hardy, uh, current finalists as well on, on one of Steve and I, on one of the page chewing episodes and, you know, um, how have you found um, for Angela in the previous Spitball and, and Crystal now, how, how did you cope with Angela and how are you coping with Crystal with the immense spotlight and pressure and, and <laughs> like how, how do you deal with, with you know, uh, the hype and, you know, waiting for those reviews to come in and the highs and lows of an amazing review and the, the you know, potentially a review that's not as favorable and just how do you, how do you deal with all that? Honestly, for me, it kind of goes back to Virginia again. So <laughs> because Virginia was a finalist, one of the finalists went in my year, and she got all of us together in a chat because originally the idea was that we were going to have a sale. So we were just coordinating promo for the sale. But it just kind of took on a life of its own, the chat did. And so then we all had each other for support. So we were all kind of together you know propping each other up when the reviews came in that weren't so great and there to cheer each other on when you know the good ones came in for anybody and that was kind of that helped you know like when you feel like you're alone it's a very different experience so when you feel like you have a lot of other people around you and your friends and and stuff then that's a little bit easier to be kind of under the microscope all the time because that I think that's and for me I'm kind of a it, well I'm not kind of I'm a very strong <laughs> in, 
So <laughs> being out there in the public eye for a long time was hard. And it's hard. It was hard on us, I think, also to write, especially in the last month, the April. Well, it was it was May for us, I think. But um, that's the hardest time, the end of the finals, because that's when we had like we went into the last three weeks, we had 40 reviews to go. And that was just and it was the beginning of the pandemic and everybody was a little frazzled. So, I mean, that was tough, but yeah, I don't know. And then now it just seems like it's, it's, it seems like they're, you know, the, the fight, I can look at the, the finals now and have flashbacks a little bit because <laughs> it seems like that, you know, it's the same thing. Like they all, it's all coming down yeah. to the wire. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, definitely it's a similar feeling where, um, it was Fletcher that put together did the Discord group for us, um, and we all kind of huddle there and you know check in on each other. And um, it again, it's it's that feeling of community. We're all weathering the same storm, so you know when when things are getting stressful, we we get it, and we're like it feels like we're playing on the same team where we're all kind of representing indie fantasy this year. Um, or those of us are published in other years. And it's just, it's just, uh, it's really, it's really good to tap into the community of, of people around you who are going through the same things. And um, <laughs> it's challenging. I think for me, the hardest part was taking part in Spiffbo um, while I was trying to write the sequel i think if i was further along in the series it would have been um easier to um compartmentalize um and certainly i've gotten there and and <laughs> um i'm i'm glad that i did it but at first there was just this weird feeling of um adjusting to I'm going to publish one day and, oh, look, my book is out in the world. Oh, look, there's a lot of people reading it. I was not expecting this. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then also to add on Spiffbo on top of that in the same year, it felt like a lot, like I was jumping through a lot of levels really fast. And that yeah. that was challenging to kind of um, readjust how I, how I was viewing myself. Um, as a person in the public eye and as a writer and as a creative person. And so I had to spend some time just kind of deciding why I'm writing um, and what, what stories I'm trying to tell. And I'm just going to go forward with those stories. Um, and I, I'm, I mean, I'm glad I did it because it was definitely um, an, an incredible experience as far as community building and coming to understand my audience and like who who I'm resonating with and watching people um, watching people understand what we're trying to say is really amazing, especially when we get to share those reviews together and you know give each other high fives and just feel that victory. So it's definitely worth it. It's just uh, it's a lot more. Um, visible than i was i was yeah. expecting yeah it's yeah. like you you do it for the visibility to some extent yeah. you know like you put it in there and you're like well hopefully the book will get 
you know, yeah. people see and then you're then you're like, wow, there are a lot of eyes on this book. So, because I I had sort of a similar experience, and because I was my yeah, goal was yeah, I launched into Spiffbo, so yeah. in my debut, so because I had it had lived in my closet for a really yeah. long time, and then I decided to. When I decided I was going to go indie, I was like, okay, I have this manuscript and it's mostly intact. And then I'll, I can, I think I can get it ready. And so Spiffo, the entry was my goal for being done and published. So that kind of drove me through. And then it actually ended up, I, um, it was released after I submitted it. So it was like five days before the beginning of the competition. And yeah, I was not quite expecting it to. Yeah, I don't think you were expecting like to make no, the finalist. I wasn't yeah. actually, because I thought, yeah, I, I wasn't. But I was, you know, I threw it in. I was like, well, you know, it can't hurt. I'll just, and it gave me a goal to work toward. So, I, um, writers are such strange creatures where we're like, I don't think anyone's going to pay attention to me, but I'll try. And then, and then we get a little bit of success and we go, oh no, people are watching me. Wow. Are reading my book. That's really weird. Yeah. I don't know how to handle this. Right. So, and I was, sorry, Crystal. No, go ahead. Uh, I, I was trying to write my sequel too. Like yeah. when Spitball was going on, it was okay until we got until the spring and when in the finals, yeah. when Rudy's were coming in. That was just a little bit because you don't know in ours like mine. I think I still had five or six to go. It, no, it probably wasn't. It probably was like five, but um, toward the end, and I was trying to get this giant book ready for a deadline and um, to ship it off to an editor, and then trying to think like you know, and it was my debut book, and the reviews were coming in and when you're getting all those reviews, you're not quite sure what to take out of them to like improve your writing in the longer run or what's, you know, maybe reader preference or whatever. And so I think the tendency, my tendency was to like, okay, well maybe I'll just try to do all of it and you, you can't do all of it, you know? So um, I'm kind of sorting out some of those over like trying to do it all kind of right now too yeah trying to I please will. everybody right no 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 book can please every reader and and there's certainly um the best survival mechanism for visibility is knowing that you know for every book a reader but not for every reader the same book like it everybody's right. going to bring their own things that they want to see that they don't want to see. And you just got to kind of triage through readers and figure out like, who's, who's going to go on the journey with you and, and, and understand. And then who is just not your audience and it's okay because it's just, that's just the way art works. And a lot of says, yeah, support system, especially when you're in the public eye, like you are. Yeah. Yeah. And connecting with people who know what it's what it's like um and it's it's a great experience like it's absolutely like i <laughs> i don't want to sound um ungrateful because truly i'm i'm blown away by how supportive um people have been and how um 
how many people have connected with Brightwash. Um, but even still, like, for someone who doesn't like to be perceived, <laughs> I've now become hyper-perceived. And it's just such a strange thing to get your mind around. Um, and it's it's amazing, and I'm, I'm so glad I did it. Um, but being around people who understand how that, you know, you have to adjust to just thinking of yourself differently um, is really, really helpful. And that's why writer friends um, and people in the community are so incredibly valuable. Just, just to, you know, writing is not a solitary hobby. It's, it's an act of investing in a community. And so um, find your community and then and you're, you know, <laughs> you're going to make it. And I think that's why, um, you know, people, I think, have this idea that if you're self-published, it means that you do every single thing, you know, you're like, and you are responsible for every, you know, for overseeing, yeah. but you can't do it by yourself and you, you shouldn't, you know, like, and that's what I think is so, the best thing about Spiffbo is the, the community it fosters, like yeah. just when you enter the you enter your book and you're suddenly part of a whole bunch of people who are just doing the same thing you are, you're all in it together. And, you know, you make new friends, you, you find new books to read, you know, it's, it's, that's, that's the best thing about it, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's incredible to how um, I recall, I was still a lurker when Angela's <laughs> book was coming out, I was still kind of creeping, you know, looking like, you know, thinking about writing, ready to, but not really involved in the social media aspect of writing community. But I recall specifically that back then I had rarely seen a book, an indie book, because I was just starting to understand what indie was. And I'd rarely seen a book so hyped before it came out. And it's so weird to see the exact same thing replicated with Crystal's book. I had never seen an indie book so hot before it came out. And, and, and it's just, it like, what a pair, like, it's just so um, unique to have that happen. And you two are obviously friends. But when I look as an outsider at your journey, it, it almost mirrors one another in terms of Spiffo. And, like, I just keep hearing about Fortune's Fool, Fortune's Fool. Everybody on on, on social media was talking about Fortune's Fool. And then when Brightwash, yep, Brightwash, 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 Brightwash. And, and I, you know, how is that? Like, I mean, before the book's even out, people are holding your books as the book of the year in, in the indie sphere. Yeah. Like, like, how do you, like, how do you na navigate that? Like, I, I don't, you know, I, I, wow. I, I, I didn't notice it was happening really until, um, in, until a little ways in like I I I didn't realize that I was building a community on Twitter um, because every a lot of people will tell you that Twitter is not marketing it's not it's not a marketing tool but I think I think we're proof positive that that's yeah. not the case because I haven't like I haven't done anything else so I had no idea that it was happening and then when I started sending out arcs I was like okay um, the stats say you sell like 100 books in your first year and 500 books over the lifetime as an indie publisher. So, okay, that's fine. I'll just, I'll grind, I'll make it, I'll make it happen. And um, 
<laughs> those are not the stats I've seen and I did not expect it. And so that's, that's why, you know, I have to chalk it up to how amazing the community is for supporting me. So a hundred percent. And yeah, how do I navigate it? I don't know. <laughs> I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> I'm trying, you know, I, I want, I want to plug into the community and I want to be available but I also have to write the next book. So it, it, I have to figure out how to balance them both. Yeah, well, I was one of Crystal's readers for Brightwash. And so I was pretty confident it was gonna be. <laughs> but I kept trying to tell her, no, look, really, it's gonna be, it's good. It's, you know, it's gonna, she's like, well, but anyway, it's, it's good. So. She worked really hard on it too. It was, uh, you know, it was, it was, uh, I am, I'm really lucky to be one oh. of her readers. I get to see all this stuff as it comes How through. much it changes. Yeah, but that's great. I mean, <laughs> I like that. I, you know, I get to see all the, all the drafts. So, um, yeah, and I got to, I got to read Fortune's Fool too. Like, I, that's, I think that's pretty much how we, how yeah. we ended up. Right. You tweeted that... something about researching soap <laughs> yeah. like these many years ago. Yeah. Because I didn't have, at that point, I was, um, I think that was like 2018, 18, right? I think, yeah. And so I had just decided to go India and I didn't know that many people. I had gotten on Twitter because, you know, the advice, if you're going to be a writer and you're going to like find a... Yeah, you need a platform. Right, you need a platform. And I thought, okay, all right, I'll join Twitter. And then I had met like a few people, but I didn't really have anybody to read my book. I was still trying to fill this out. I was like, I don't know. I know I need editing. I need people to look at this and give me some perspective. So I just tweeted. I was like, hey, anybody want to want to beta read my giant book? <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> For some reason, yeah, yeah Crystal I had seen like I had shared this little tiny snippet about soap. Soap. <laughs> it's like I'll I'll read your book. And it was it was just such a I neat world building detail. Um, and like I remember talking to you about how you were researching, you know, what what soap what would be common um, scents at the time and how they, yeah, you know, right. what, what would be a manly, right. <laughs> Right. Manly enough for Arsenal. Arsenal is Arsenal. Soap, and, so. um, and it was just so charming. And I was like, well, if somebody puts that much thought into the soap, I got to see what, <laughs> what she's doing. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and so I got to read that early version um, when. Uh, yeah, that one needed yeah, a lot. That of was time. a long time ago. Well, it, it, well, it, <laughs> it, it, it needed, it just needed. Uh, pacing it, it just needed yeah, to um, that, that yeah like you were almost there I remember like I, I remember thinking like yeah. this this is really good and it just needed to switch some stuff around just to hit the tension properly and it was a good book I'm not surprised yeah. it's done so well <laughs> I it, it, it took a lot of work it took a lot of help too so yeah. you know yeah. and um, I don't want to minimize how much work you put into it because yeah. even little details on a book that big is a, is a big yeah. job. I couldn't have done it on my own though. So that's, you know, 
again, it goes back to community and people like helping each other. And then when I was gonna, which is funny talking about like the, how it was talked about and hype, because I had to talk myself into publishing it by saying sometimes if only five people buy this book, it will still be worth it. I'm going to do it anyway. And then, you know, I did it. And when I sent out for ARCs, I got up the courage for to ask four people that I was pretty sure wouldn't like laugh at me and tell me no. <laughs> so Calvin, 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 Park. Calvin Park. And because he had interacted on some of my tweets where I'd shared snippets of the book and he seemed to be waiting for it. And, yeah. and so I was like, hey, do you want to read it? And he's like, yeah. So I gave it to him and he's the one who wrote the first um, review, which is actually probably still my favorite. And after that, when people saw that review, then I was like, hey, does anybody else want an arc? And a bunch of people asked for it. So. And wow. then Spitbo. Yeah. And then Spitbo, right. Yeah. Wow, you two bonded together over soap. That's that's yeah. the yeah. little yeah. nugget that I'm going to file. I'm going to file back there. <laughs> <laughs> so that's our, awesome. Our writing origin stories. Yeah. I, and I know Steve's got a bunch of questions too, but one I, I definitely need to to slip in here is is that um, you know I you know I'm a romance fan. I've read both both uh, fortunes. I like four. that about you, sir. Yeah, I'm, I'm a hopelessly romantic. My mom, you know, who who never published, I, I told the story on a couple podcasts that she wrote a romance book and she got one reject letter, and that was that she was done, and it was Aww. enough that she wrote it. And I, I wish, I wish she continued so I, I guess you know for me that's part of the reason why i'm inspired to write because my mom and um you know but but i i love romance i love that aspect in in fantasy it's it's just part of reality i, I don't think it it's a book is complete without some element of that and regardless of the genre right because it's just yeah. part of life is prevalent of course you know you i would say and correct me if i'm wrong that that you both would define your work as as fantasy romance um, you know, and okay, whew, is it hot? <laughs> it's, it's steaming. You're gonna, you know, you, you need a cold shower after you read, um, you know, yearbooks. So, you know, it's hot. It's 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 smoking. So, um, you know, what do you find that, um, you know, because my perception of the larger indie community is that it's really hit or miss when it comes to romance and fantasy. Some people are like, yep. I'm all about it. And some people are like, I don't even want to, you know, just gloss over everything and just, you know, tell me they did the deed and move on. Right. So, you know, um, it, yeah. And, and that's what I've found with, especially with uh, fantasies reviewers specifically. So, you know, I applaud your courage, especially knowing that, you know, a lot of the fantasy reviewers, and I don't want to speak for, for all of them, but just my, my uh, perspective is that a lot of them aren't big romance fans per se. So when they read your books, um, obviously they're going to get a heavy dose of that. So how how have you felt about about that whole um, aspect writing that 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 real you know big part of of what you you love to write that that may or may not be be received a certain way by by your audience? I I don't know if it was courage on my part so much as just stubbornness, <laughs> where. Um, you know, I I think I knew it was going to be pretty hit or miss, but I just, I didn't want to have to cut away pieces of who I am in order to publish. I felt like 
if I was gonna slice chunks of my identity away, then why why bother at that point? So if I was gonna make my career out of this, which um, you know is is the dream, then I wasn't gonna do it in half measures, and I would rather um, do it fully and fail than do it halfway at all. So that <laughs> that that was pretty much it for me. Where you know I, I didn't feel like if I was gonna do this. I was going to do it with all of the things that I, I'm passionate about and not just pick and mix. Yeah, I'm kind and, of the same. Angela had to talk me through it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it speaking of how much <laughs> drafts change, like that, those details were not in early drafts because I still thought, oh, well, if I want to be taken seriously, I can't write about that stuff. And then I got upset with myself because there's a pretty graphic torture scene um, in Brightwash. And I was like, why Why am I okay with writing a, a man's shoulders getting dislocated, like chicken legs popping out of the socket, but not consensual sex? Like, that, I, <laughs> that made me ask some questions about my priorities. So Angela talked me through it over the course of a couple of weeks. And then I was like, fuck it, we're doing it. <laughs> Yeah. And I had, um, you know, my decisions were kind of similar to Crystal's too, because when I started, I had not written for a long time. I started trying to publish back before self-publishing was really a thing. And then I got kind of burnt out on it. And um, part of the reason why I got burnt out on it was the trying to keep everybody else happy, like trying to second guess what publishers wanted, trying to second guess what would be received and what I could... And, and it wasn't fun anymore. It was when I was, you know, a teenager writing, it was, it was fun. I was doing what I wanted to do and I didn't really care so much about that. And then I had a bunch of kids and, you know, so when I came back to writing, when I decided I was going to start writing, you know, for publication, cause I never really stopped. I just didn't really finish things. I promised myself that I was going to write what I wanted, what I like to read and that what I wanted to write. So, and what I like to read romantic fantasy. So that was, you know, I decided that, yeah, I, I knew the, that sometimes I actually, I was more afraid of it than reality kind of bore through because I, when I wrote the book, I was not quite sure whether I wanted to call attention to the fact that it was romantic fantasy when I was talking about it, you know, online or whatever. But then I was pleasantly surprised because, you People know, read it out. Yeah. And they had a, you know, a good response to it. And then that gave me a lot more courage, I guess, to do because I was going to write it anyway, but then it would be <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to see that some people like it, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's been my experience too, where it's like, I, I've been pleasantly surprised with people saying that, you know, that maybe it's changed their minds a little bit or, or they don't usually, although it makes me sad to think that, you know, they don't usually like it, but I think there's, um, I think, I think people have a lot of um, preconceived ideas of what it's going to be like. 
Yeah. And so then when they hit something that's written um, in a way that that really resonates with them, they think it's the exception. But I, I think I think there's more really great stuff out there than people realize. They just don't seek it out because they don't know they're going to enjoy it. Yeah, they see that word and then yeah. like, oh, well, I don't usually like it. So yeah, give it a chance. Okay, sorry, I'll be quiet so Steve can can answer. Yeah, yeah, fine. <laughs> just, just enjoy the, the conversation. I was just curious about uh, Kickstarter. If, if the experience of the Kickstarter changed your perception of it, and if it's something that you'll try again in the future. Kickstarter for publishing? Yeah, I um, I mean, I didn't get to see how much work went into all the math and all the really scary decisions, but certainly it's proof positive that if you have enough of an audience. You can make this stuff happen. In fact, um, one of our authors, Intisar, um, she just funded her Kickstarter that launched a couple of days ago. Yeah, it's Yeah, she she was funding for an audiobook for one of her books, um, and it it again it it took about thirty six hours to fund. Um, and so I think I think Kickstarter has built itself a platform where people are looking for um, books, and and I was not aware that it was happening, but certainly um, people that I, I don't think we've ever interacted with were finding us through Kickstarter, um, and then coming on board and then finding us across other platforms. So it's definitely a good tool if you know how to um, hustle your own um, ideas. It does take a lot of work though. And yes. <laughs> that's the, you know, the thing that you have to be willing to, I was not, I, I was not involved in the organization aspects as much, but, you know, I watch, what was going on in the and on the outside and it yeah like you have to be very committed to yeah. seeing it all through and then if you're if you're committed and you're willing to do all the legwork i think it's excellent yeah i um you know and and i think you know what's what i find the most impressive especially about about both of you is that you know is the humility aspect um you know of 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 the fact that you know despite the acclaim you've received so far and despite you know um all the accolades and despite you know you're 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 both still from what i know you're both very grounded and very humble and very you know just lovely people and and um and i you know we we're talking about this earlier uh several podcasts and we've, we've talked about it on tons that you know Imposter syndrome is something that I think lurks for even the most, uh, you know, the most well-known known writers. I mean, even now, I, you know, like for example, you know, I, I have the I have the privilege of of of, you know, having seeing seeing my book peeking out there on on Crystal Shelf, and I, I feel like I don't deserve to be there because it's all <laughs> it's mostly all SBFPO finalists, and, and 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 that's not me, and and you know, but I look. Oh, I look at the caliber of, of those books and I go, wow, you know, and, and obviously, you know, for both of you, you, you know, as much as you, of course, it's all about supporting other authors and you're boosting them you're, and you're rooting for them too. You're, you're co-finalists, yeah. you're rooting for them too and you're rooting for them to win. And, you know, you're, you're more or less, I think, 
from what I know of you, you're both, you know, happy to be there. Yeah, of course, hoping to win, but but totally satisfied with just making the finals and hoping that, you know, whoever wins, you know, it, you know, you're you're happy with that because you have so much respect for their writing. But uh, yeah, like I know, how do you guys cope with, um, you know, imposter syndrome? Like I said, which I think lurks for, um, you know, every writer. You know, when we we can't help but compare ourselves to like, you know, I I look at those books on your shelf, I go, oh my God, you know, this like those are just, you know, those writers are just, you know, you know. You're selling yourself short, my friend, and I don't like it. You cut that out. Angela, tell him how to defeat his imposter syndrome. (laughs) Well, you get Crystal to tell you to cut it out is (laughs) what happens. (laughs) Or, Or... or, Darn, or I was hoping she had a good answer. Or, or Kathleen to send you some explanations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, but it's like that too. Like if you've if you've got if you've got your friends do help you out, you know, because they can kind of they can kind of see the reality. And when you're in your own brain, um, you know, like we all call, I guess it was Clayton who introduced the Clayton Steiner who yeah. and. You know, it's it's easy to get them in there, and, and and you're sometimes you're not sure that it's fear or you know what you think. Oh, I'm not. I mean, there's always a point when I'm writing a book and I think I am not smart enough to pull this off, and I'm really oh, not smart enough there. to pull it off. <laughs> but you know, it's like so I have to talk myself into it. Like, okay, I'm just going to do it. It's going to be finished, and then once you send it out in the world, it kind of has its own life you know, whatever. And I'll write the next book and then I'll, the whole process will repeat. But um, yeah, the, the, and I think that too, but when you're going through and you're trying to do stuff and you're afraid of doing things or you're like, I'm not good enough to do this and you're testing your book and you're thinking, I don't know. And then you kind of come back and go, well, why am I doing what I'm doing? You know, am yeah. I doing it just... Yeah. Or, uh, you know, reviews or whatever. Am I really doing it just because I'm a writer and I like to write the stories? And it, at that case, then you can go. Well, I guess it doesn't matter so much. So I'm going to do it anyway. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A, l- a little bit of stubbornness, a little bit yeah. of spite. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then also, there's just this feeling that it's like, well, what else am I going to do with all of these people that? Live in my, in my head, head. <laughs> driving me nuts. You know, <laughs> they start paying rent, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I, I think definitely that's where the community comes in again, where you, you know, they can kind of reality check you, um, and it, it's like Angela said, it, it's about why we're here, and it, it's it's tempting to compare yourself to other people and how they're doing, but you're not, it's that journey. Isn't your journey that you, you got to focus on why, why you're here and what you're trying to say. And if, um, and if you, if you keep that in your mind, it will carry you through the moments where you feel like you're not smart enough. You're not talented enough. You're not whatever enough. Um, and ultimately we're all going through the same thing we're all comparing ourselves and we're all challenging ourselves to get better 
and it's just it just has to be about why you're here um yeah and i i think keeping that in mind helps yeah um i guess on that note as well um you know it's funny i i i see a lot of posts on twitter <clears throat> excuse me and i had a conversation with a fellow writer the other day that said that um you know while there's many advantages to being traditionally published um one of the reasons why they personally want to be traditionally published is frankly a sense of validation that they feel that you know if they get accepted by an agent and then they get a book deal then that will be the ultimate you know validation of them as a writer because you know the the gatekeepers have endorsed the fact that they're good enough uh to make the grade um you know i i i i don't i'm not sure if you know if, if that plays into um uh the way any of any of you feel but i've heard this voiced a lot on it's and people are very being very candid about this right and being you know being very courageous in admitting and made that and i respect people for that um you know obviously there's many more advantages to being traditionally published but is that something that could be in the future for uh angela board or chris matar if you're willing to to talk about it you, you don't want to pry but is that something that you've ever considered that you could be looking at in the future or um i i I have a hard time knowing for sure because on the one hand I feel like you know I I make a lot of big statements about um why I'm here but then on the other hand I am hoping that this is going to be my career so like it's it's kind of a a balance of what am I going to get versus what can I do for myself and I I I wonder at this point where how that balance is going to fall anymore because at, at this point um brightwash is getting ready to break even um after a, a really big editing bill and so i'm published um or i've i've signed a contract with um podium and they're going to produce the audiobook and by the time that's out it's thank you very much <laughs> By the time that's out, it's uh, it's going to be profit, and so what what do I gain by trusting a system that I don't know very much about? At this point, I don't know that I'm going to gain very much, um, and certainly it will move more copies. But I, I don't know that I'm in this industry because I want to move volume. I'm in the industry because I I just want to be myself. So I, I'm not really sure. I think I would have to spend a lot of time looking at a contract and being the impossible artist with a million <laughs> demands before I, I considered it pretty seriously. But <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to say. Yeah, I mean, I can't. Uh, I, I wouldn't want to say no, I would never consider it ever if the right thing came along. Maybe I would, I don't know. But, yeah. you know, at, at this point, my, like the audiobook of Fortune's Fool is with Tantor. So that's like a traditional audio publisher. And that helped immensely because it costs a lot of money to produce an audiobook on your own unless you, you know. Especially when you write 220,000. Right. So <laughs> that, you know, that, was, that was nice with that. And, I was. I need to tease her about it because our books are the same length. They're exactly the same length. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Except she put hers in a six by nine, and so it has fewer pages than mine does. Yeah. 
but, you know, I, I get a lot out of the, I, when I started writing again, I, I wasn't sure if I was going to go trad, try to go trad or indie, but I was, you know, just thinking about, and I made the decision based on the length of my books was really what pushed me over the edge. But, um, you know, this, the time involved in trad publishing, the waiting, um, everything I, you know, I, I didn't want to take that much. I don't have that much time anymore. So I would rather just get it out, but I, I wouldn't say no. I like very, a lot of things about indie publishing. I, you know, I like the control. I like knowing what it's doing and it's been more successful than I thought I was going to be. And, and, um, so I, but it is when you're talking about imposter syndrome, trad publishing does have that stamp of approval. You know, it is the validation that somebody else looked at it and somebody in some kind of authority and said, you know, yes, you can come in. Like you can enter the gates and, and, um, and as an indie, sometimes I think that does feed into imposter syndrome because yeah. you're thinking like, well, maybe I think it's good. And even when you get a lot of people who are telling you that your book is good, there's still that maybe that little doubt that kind of pops up in your mind sometimes. For me, when I was when I was revising Brightwash, I, I, at first I did have the intention to try to um, get an agent and chase trad um and i i had but i was friends with angela and clayton and and everybody and so i was watching them go through their journeys and i was like okay well um agents say that you know you gotta come up with something really polished and it it heightens your chance so maybe i'll start looking for an editor and then you know there's some plot points revolving around um, indigenous stations. So, okay, well, before I even start looking for an agent, I'll find a sensitivity reader and I'll work with them. Um, And then as I was going further along the road and doing more and more of these things myself, I was like, well, why am I, why am I going to now wait for somebody else to decide yes or no, and then wait for them to find somebody else to decide yes or no when I've, I've already done all these steps. So, so then um, I was watching a panel about self-published versus indie or self-published versus trad. And Dirk Ashton just said it, it's, it's like the difference between being an entrepreneur and an employee. Um, both of them have hardships and both of them have victories and which one suits your personality best. And since I'd already done so much work, I was like, oh, well, I guess maybe I'm an entrepreneur. I guess I might as well just do this myself. So, I mean, I <laughs> that is to say, I, I get it. I, I totally understand the, the desire for that stamp of approval, but you know, there's only so many seats at that table. Yeah, and I, I, and I didn't want to take my chances on a limited thing, when I when I was already putting, you know, these many steps in. So it's like, okay, well, I'll just I'll just go and see what happens. And certainly, it went a lot better than I was expecting. So, I guess here I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, you know, and and uh, I guess um, feeding into that that question, um, you know. Uh, 
I have read both your books, obviously. Love them both. Incredible books. Um, the, the, the aspects that stand out for me, specifically with Angel's book, is, um, you know, representation of, of, of a disabled uh, protagonist. It's phenomenally done, handled with, you know, extremely adroitly and, you know, with sensitivity especially. And, um, you know, with, with, um, with Crystal's book, many things, obviously representation, you know, uh, bisexual characters, et cetera, great. But, but for me, the thing that stands out the most is, is the protagonist is, is somewhat of a law enforcement officer and, and, and what he goes through with his journey of, of, of realizing perhaps that, you know, the rules and laws and regulations that he enforces may be in conflict with his morals. And, you know, those, those are, those are the things about your books that have really resonated with me. Um, and they're still with me. I can still recall passages that I go, you know, wow, that really hit home. Like, um, how have you been finding the feedback specifically about those aspects of your books from other readers, um, you know, in terms of, of how they're perceiving it? I'll let well, you go, Angela. Okay. <laughs> um, mostly it's been, uh, the feedback has been pretty good and that has, um, that's something that has meant a lot to me, like hearing from people who do deal with disabilities, um, who have said this seems pretty realistic and we appreciated seeing Kira struggle with her, you know, with her disability and keep going. Like it's not, you know, it's, it's something she has to live with. It's, it's, and, um, even when you know she she does have her metal arm but it's more it's it's not it's not like having her her arm that you know she lost it's there's there are lots of problems that she has with that too and so yeah i mean it was i try to be when i'm writing i try to be honest about the characters and what they're going through and that's a big thing with me i don't want to gloss over things that are hard for them and but i also want to portray them as i guess i write a lot of characters who get knocked down a lot but they get back up and you know that's i i appreciate it when people tell me that that they appreciated that that makes me feel like feel pretty that makes me feel good well, and you, you test it too, um, kind of most memorably with kneading bread with one arm. Oh yeah, I do, I do, I do. So, you know, so much. I was actually, my husband thinks I'm funny too, because sometimes I'll do these kind of research things. And so in the um, sequel I'm writing, she is kind of in a bad way and she kind of falls out of bed and she's on the floor and I was trying to think, well, could she, how do you crawl with one arm? And then also I realized with the one arm, like that most stairways have ra the rails are for right. Hand well, I have a left-handed kid too. So, but they're on the right. So if you don't have a right arm, you can't really, it's hard to like you can't pull yourself up a staircase like if it's hard to go up a stairway but yeah the um that was the the pizza i had my copy editor said i don't think she could roll dough 
with just one arm and I said, okay, I'll try. And so, yeah, I made my pizza and it wasn't the rolling part. It was like holding on to the bowl and stirring it because you hold on with one arm and stir it with the other. So it's kind of interesting, like all the little details that you don't, if you're, if you, if you don't have a disability, you don't realize what kind of small details actually matter a whole lot to you every single day, you know, and they really affect your experience. I guess I have to answer next. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, for me, uh, it was never a question that Tashua was going to be um, in that role. He writing him. I've been writing him for, I guess it's twenty years now. I can, or I don't know. I don't remember how old I am. Nineteen years, um, and he's always been a protector. He's been he's always been a father figure and and a protector of people who are innocent or vulnerable. And so when I pulled them into fantasy, it I knew that that had to last somehow, but also I, I was trying to talk about how hard it is to even see things in a society when you know the status quo is built a certain way and you don't always realize why it's been built that way or how it came to be that way you just kind of go through life accepting that this is how it is and and this is how it is and this is how it is and so the journey seemed to make the most sense for him from his nature as a protector being directly in conflict with how he was living his life where um <clears throat> he wants to do what's right for people and to help people but the nature of um his job means that he's he's doing the opposite and he he and it's it's not necessarily a comment on our world so much as um a comment on how how hard it is to step outside of a system and see what the system is doing, even when you have the best intentions at heart, and even when truly you want to help people, and you want to be a good person, and you want to have a good impact on the world. And so, um, PL, your review was was very emotional for me um, on that regard, just because. Um, I, I do want people like you to know that I see you and what you're going through. Um, and I appreciate what you're going through because it's not as easy as we want to, as we want it to be. And it's not as easy as it should be. And folks like you are trying your best. Um, and I, I didn't want it to be, <laughs> I didn't want this book to be, you know, um, a panning of of authority figures because that's not right you know men and women um are drawn to this industry because many of them are are good people and they want to do something good um but sometimes society has built that desire to protect on a foundation that is 
crooked at, um, and off balance. And it's just, we're all just kind of trying our best. So um, watching people respond to that has been very emotional and I'm going to get really emotional again. Um, so am I, I'm trying to hold it in now as you're talking. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> This is this is becoming my brand on podcasts. I go on podcasts and <laughs> make people cry. <laughs> um, but but it, it's also um, a little bit disappointing when people don't necessarily see what I'm trying to say. Um, but that's the nature of art, where you know. Even in art, we can miss our mark, and, and even in art, a reader or a watcher or anyone won't won't be ready to go on that journey with you, and that's just the nature of what we're doing, but it makes it worth it for people like you to be following me <laughs> um, and to feel seen. Thank Steve's going to have to that. start talking. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, honestly, no, it's, it's that, it's just if one reader, yeah. if that makes a difference to one reader, yeah. that's a huge, yeah. it makes a huge difference to us. Like that, anybody who will say, hey, you know, you affected me, you just, you made me feel seen, you got to something in my experiences. I don't know. It's a huge privilege as a writer to yeah. tell stories and have readers connect with them. So, I mean, yeah. And, and, you know, to link back to your imposter syndrome question, like that's, that that's why, that's, that's why I'm here. That's, this is why I wanted to bring my stories to a public platform. I wanted to publish because there were points in my life when I felt vulnerable and I felt, less than and certain books um reached across that chasm and made me feel like a person again and i thought if if i can do that to one person um it'll be worth it so um and you came on board so early <laughs> um and it gave me armor for all the all the all the hard parts. It gave me, um, it gave me the courage to keep going. Um, so thank you. <laughs> well, thank you for writing it. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I wasn't um, expecting that. So I'm blaming you, Crystal, for. <laughs> We're doing this. So. <laughs> I, I knew as soon as you asked that question, <laughs> it's gonna be a ride. Uh, yeah, um, but um, yeah, um, just goes to show you the um, the power of you know literature and and something that's extremely well written and poignant and how that can affect can affect you and you know for for both of you you know uh, don't ever think for a moment that that what you're writing isn't isn't important and doesn't 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 impact people's lives in a positive way. And, and, you know, um, you know, I, I, I'm extremely touched by, by both your works and, you know, yeah. And, um, you know, so thank you for writing what you write and, and doing it how you do it. So 
thank you for for being so supportive yes definitely that matters a whole lot yeah you're too easy who are very two people who are very very easy to support so <laughs> so, very easy to very easy to support so uh, you know um, sorry i'm gonna ask steve to take over for a second i have a question but i can't ask it right now so uh so, so to transition uh but with a couple of comments uh Brandy says oh it's smoking sign me up adding to my amazon cart uh you don't have to <laughs> it's, on the, it's on the shelf for any of the room so <laughs> she's from the other she's in the other room Connor says, hey, that's me. <laughs> With exclamation points, of course. <laughs> Justin. <laughs> Thank you, Justin, for your exclamation <laughs> Oh, Justin. <laughs> oh, what a clever screen name, too. Yeah, plot head. Yeah. Every, every time I see it, it makes me laugh. He's awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, okay, so um, the one question I, I was kind of, uh, what I want to get to before all that. Um, so um, more similarities with, with Angela and Crystal. So um, I, I think I said this on the, we had Thomas Howard Riley and, uh, and Mark Timmy on there. We we're talking about, you know, the whole, uh, you know, love big books and I cannot lie. They write chonkers. I love reading them. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I have no problem reading big books and enjoy them, especially if they're they're well written and they tend to be extremely immersive. And, and when they're well done, you know, you can just you know you, you never feel cheated when you have a, a two hundred thousand plus page book that is really well done. And you both write that kind of book. Um, you know, uh, do you find it um, challenging to write a book of that length and? And do you feel like, um, you know, you've both wrote, written short stories and, and, and more condensed novels developed type things, but do you prefer writing bigger books? Um, you know, what is it about, about that length of novel that really, you know, gets you, gets you going? Well, I, I don't know. I just have these ideas and they seem to like explode. <laughs> like I think that, oh, I'm going to write a short story and suddenly I'm writing a 200,000 word novel instead, but I, I mean, suddenly, but you know, it, it just sort of <laughs> suddenly it just happened. Right. It's just, I don't know how it happens. You know, I'm the one who's surprised and everybody else is rolling their eyes going, you know, gee, we're so surprised, but yeah, what a plot twist, Yeah, right. So, um, but I don't know. I feel like writers a lot of the times have natural lengths, and my natural lengths seem to be either novella or <laughs> giant novel, um, which I There's enjoy. No middle ground, eh? It's just no, like there isn't really. <laughs> and you can't even see the other book that I have. On the <laughs> it just blends in. Yeah. Oh, is that Holly's book kind of sandwiched in there? Yeah, like, um, yeah. I've got. I've got us and Fortune's Fool, and then this tiny little sliver is Smuggler's Fortune. Smuggler's and then, yeah, Fortune. And then, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that yeah. So it it's kind of a a thing. Like I've written short stories. I have a short story out right now this month in uh, this month's issue of Grim Dark uh, magazine, which is actually a Kira story. So she's the main character in that one. Um, it's about her mercenary years, and that was stressful. I was like the four thousand words, four thousand words, and I was 
I think I stress out more about that story than I do about writing my giant novels because when I write a novel, I'm like, oh, well, you know, I can just, I have space and everything. You write a 4,000 word short story, like, well, I can only have, you know, two characters or one character, you know, it's yeah. like you have to put a lot of limits on things. And um, my ideas just seem to, I guess, proliferate i have you know cast of thousands and yeah. and i like digging into the characters i like going kind of deep into the characters and that gets that gets me a lot of words i think when i'm trying to show relationships that maybe have existed for a long time or or are complicated i guess i don't know i i try not to waste any words you know, I think that sometimes people yeah. think big books are just extra. Like if somebody, you know, like if they had, they should cut stuff out of them that nobody should write a book that long. And then there are people who are like, yes, give us the giant books. So <laughs> yeah. those are my people. <laughs> yeah. Giant book. Yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't um, set out with any particular intention. In fact, back when I thought I. Um, was going to try to query it I was really stressed about how big it was getting um, and I was thinking I've got to keep it under a certain word count um, and so the first draft that I sent to Angela was 143,000 words and that draft was very rough um, it was just kind of me going is this kind of a story maybe could you tell me if any of this works <laughs> and Angela sent me back, well, I want more of this and more of this and more of that and more of this person. And she didn't remember Ishmael's name by the end. I was like, oh, that can't, that's not going to oh, work for me. <laughs> <laughs> I know. The whole story. I know. I'm not blaming yeah. you. This was, this was me. <laughs> and, and so I just, I was like, okay, well, what, you know, what connects all of this and, and what, what am I going to write about? what am I trying to say and who do I need on the page so that I can say it and so just kind of filling in those layers it was just growing and growing and at first I was really upset about how much it was growing um but I I think it's you know it's not as it's not much longer than a lot of trad yeah. Um, fantasy yeah. novels right now because I was talking to um, Sam Hawk at the time about her debut uh, City of Lies and she queried it at um, I think she said 150 or 160 thousand and then she published it at 185 so you know that it's an extra 40,000 words but like it's <laughs> Certainly, fantasy gets to do things that a lot of other genres, fantasy and science fiction, get to yeah. get to break a lot of rules that other genres couldn't even possibly approach. <laughs> um, and so it just, yeah, it just it just kind of happened naturally. And then once I decided I was going to self-publish it, I was like, okay, well, I'll just I'll just keep going, I guess. <laughs> I had a couple of scenes here and there, and. Um, and then it happened to end at exactly the same word count as Fortune's Fool. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was weird. But yeah, yeah 
Probably I wasn't the best person to send it to, though, if you wanted to keep it at 130. <laughs> yeah, I don't know it's, why. But I don't. I'm not sure I feel guilty about it, though, because it turned out really well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it worked out. But I just, yeah, I just, I just wanted to know, like, is this, could this be a book maybe one day? <laughs> and then Angela's like, yeah, but you need to tell me more. <laughs> yeah. Pretty that much. That sums it up. <laughs> yeah, it's so. so funny that, that, yeah, like, um, you know that that a lot of authors that amazing writers that write those those chunky books invariably if there's giving me a criticism it's never about the writing it's about the fact that it's so long and yeah. you know um you know but like you said fantasy i think we we get a lot of latitude fancy sci-fi with yeah. that stuff not not with every reader you don't get a pass with every no. reader so some readers want that tight that tight yeah. tight nothing extraneous 100K, in their yeah. minds 100k yeah, yeah. nothing extraneous to their minds whatsoever i you, you know i even a review the other day it was very favorable i think it was a 4.5 it's like oh you know like it was for the last day at the land he's like oh you know like great book and everything but i would have liked to see this tighter and cut yeah. this out and cut that out and, and i appreciate that you know and, and i and i you're entitled to that opinion but um i i wouldn't have cut i wouldn't have cut a thing out right and, you <laughs> yeah know, right. I, I you right. know and i feel like well you know, if you gave me that higher rating and you thought that this, this, and this should have been cut out, then I'm good with that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, yeah. like I, 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 and um, like the last Ed's lanes was just around 200,000 compared to a job kingdom, which was about 160. And um, I, my sweet personal sweet spot is probably around 200,000 words to, yeah, to you know, yeah. 220. But at the same time, I mean, hey, I've, I've loved George R. R. Martin, you know, he writes tomes, Patrick Rothfuss, you name it. <laughs> Um, you know, uh, all of the, a lot of my favorite authors, you know, Robin Hobb, you know, you, you name it, they, they write these, you know, chonkers, right? And, and you yeah. know, um, you know, and people are reading them. So Jenny Wirtz, you know, these thick, you know, these thick uh, tomes, but, um, you know, I, 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 I'm thank you for not, for, for writing those lengthy books, because for me, when I read your books, um, it just allows me to come completely immersed, like, you know, I, I can I can feel the the world that you're building. It's tangible. Like I can I can taste it. I can smell it. I can touch it. Like that. That's what I love about reading books like yours. That you know, I just lose myself in the books for you know however long because you've done such an amazing job of building that that world. Um, you know, that to me never feels dense. It just feels like I'm somewhere else. Like as if I've traveled to another country and in here. Yeah, I I, so. I I think that's probably how I end up with those big long stories because I just I want to know everything too <laughs> and so once I know everything then it just kind of bleeds in and I can't seem to <laughs> cut it back but then you know I have to read the darn thing about a hundred thousand yeah. times yeah. just to get it ready so I might as yeah. well enjoy it and then I think it's the same for you, Angela, where yeah. I, I've watched it happen where you're like, oh, no, this person is interesting. I guess I'm going to have to. Yeah, like, oh, as soon as they get a name and they're like, oh, no. Yes. Yeah, uh. oh, no. but, but I mean, you know, we're writing epic fantasy and you are building a world and it's hard. Yeah. I mean, some people can't do it in a really yeah. small amount of space. And yeah. I think when that happens, it's incredible. But also, you know, it just depends on the idea that you have to tell. Yeah. How some ideas are told best in a short space, short amount, you yeah. know, small. And some of them need more room to be developed and, and stuff. And so it's, I don't like, um, 
basing my reading on the length of a book. I like reading at all kinds of different lengths. Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think, think it's it's it, you know when writers lean on their strengths and their passions, um, those are always the books that that really are most memorable to me and and certainly there are writers that are able to write a really a really amazing short novel um and i and i i love them but i think if i tried to tell the same story um yeah it would it wouldn't look bigger because i just i'm just so curious about these ideas that <laughs> i have access to well, that's happened in Smugglers. When I was writing Smugglers Fortune, I thought I was trying to write a like a fifteen thousand word reader magnet, <laughs> and forty three thousand words. Yeah, and it turned out like forty like forty five or forty three or something like that. And then, yeah. So, but it, and the only reason it stayed at that length though is because I really it was four characters. It was a straight linear plot. It you know it went from one to the place to another fairly quickly it's really fast paced um and not every book can be that way you know if if you're interested in telling a story about more people or like me i like twisty plots and stuff yeah. and sometimes you have to give that in big worlds i like big worlds too and yeah, sometimes lots of culture and, and lots of eating lots of food yeah you need some yeah. space for the food yep so. yeah but it's the stuff I like to read, you know, and that, that's what it all comes back to, like Crystal was saying, you're, when you're following your passion. And I think that comes through for readers, Yeah, that they can tell that you're writing something that you're passionate about instead of like just chopping things up arbitrarily because you wanted to hit a word count yeah. or writing something because you thought that you ought to write it, you know? So Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we do, and as 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 you both pointed out, we we don't have those constraints necessarily when we're self-published, and that's part right. of the beauty of it—the freedom to do that. And um, you know, I think in a couple of these page twin podcasts, Steve and I, we've we've had lengthy discussions after the podcast. You know, that a lot of us talking that, you know, um, yeah, that 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 freedom is something that, like for me personally, I don't know if I'm willing to trade. Um, yeah. You know that right. that to have that latitude and what it means to me personally, because um, you know invariably someone would definitely try and you know I could I don't think I could write what I write I don't think a traditional publisher would touch uh, what I write specifically with with what I write with a flawed main character who's you know bigoted and racist and homophobic and and you know uh, you know I remember what reading an article about um, you know from a, a publishing executive executive a traditionally published executive saying you know we can't sell a, a an unlikable character. We can't we can't do that although i've seen yeah. it done in the traditional world yeah um, I, know, I think generally though when it's done it's somebody who's got a few books under their yeah. belt and so yeah. the publishers yeah. trust them and yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, when you're going out on a limb and you're trying new things although i like it it's it's hard to say exactly because maybe you'd get an editor that understands what you're trying to say so it but it's just it's such a weird feeling of just Putting your your fate into somebody else's control to me, I, I I think I would have a hard time with it. I'm very That's, controlling. I've learned. <laughs> I see so many people who are very discouraged. You know, like they keep trying. They're writing what they want to write, and they keep trying. You know, they send it mm -hmm. off to agents, and it gets getting rejected. And they're like, well, then I'll 
just put it away. And I didn't want to put my characters away. You know, these are the people I wanted to write about. And the idea that I could do whatever, what I wanted to do was kind of a revelation too, because yeah. when I started, I kind of assumed that I would go the trad route. And yeah. then because that's what I had been doing before I stopped to, you know, raise a bunch of kids, but, um, but then to think, okay, I can write books at the length that I want to write them at. I can tell the stories I want to tell. I can, you know, make these kind of weird genre combining stories, you know, and have my characters the way I want to tell them. It was kind of, it was really liberating, but also scary in a way because, you know, you're not sure. Like, stops. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, I guess it's like we were talking about validation, but it's, it's kind of scary taking responsibility for all that. And you're like, well, I like to read this stuff, but maybe I'm the only person who <laughs> likes this, you know? I mean, that's never true, but it's, yeah. it's something that you could tell yourself like maybe i'm the only person who likes this specific i'm a like genre of one but that's that's not true there's an audience for every book out there yeah it's a very scary um you know and i think that's what what really to be honest if i'm scared about the trad industry is that and you know there's many there's so many success stories from indies who've made that transition and then for as many of those there's the story that make you quick in your books in your boots and i, I use the the example of, of of michael r fletcher and a brilliant yeah. brilliant brilliant writer phenomenal writer who is now one of the top you know indie writers out there and 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 you know who, who published who made got the big contract and you know made it and 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 the book received critical acclaim and it's a great book beyond redemption and i i read it recently loved it it's phenomenal and 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 that uh, harper collins uh, didn't 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 keep him and you know um we have the distinct advantage of as long as we want to keep those books up on Amazon or wherever, yeah. they're going to be there, right? Unless right. unless Amazon changes their rules, like we don't have to worry about our books going out of print. We don't have to worry about you know like there's so many things that that we don't have to to cope with, um, you yeah. know, being indies and 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 I don't know if I'm I can't really foresee myself giving giving that. It's weird to think about security as an indie. You know, most people think about yeah. traditionally, traditionally published as, as security, but yeah. I feel like I have security being an indie author that, you know, I want what I write, what I, what I write. No one's ever going to take my books out of print. No one's going to cancel my contract. Um, you know, if I if I don't earn out in all my books, that's okay. Like, you know, all these things yeah. you don't have to, to worry right. about um, with, with. So, I don't know. Those are just, just some things I think about. But again, like, like as Angela said, it doesn't mean that never say never you know and as i think crystal said that as well but yeah um you know right now i don't think it's at least with this series i don't think it's in the in the cards so um you know but uh yeah yeah we'll see what happens <laughs> we'll see what happens so yeah yeah hopefully good things happen for you i think you are telling good stories and uh you sell yeah. yourself short my friend Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm honored, um, you know, uh, but, uh, you know, especially that's that's high praise coming from someone I immensely respect. So thank you. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm very bad at taking compliments. <laughs> <laughs> I always make the weirdest faces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, sorry, Steve, go ahead. Go ahead. I was no, like, ready to run here because we're all we're all the same. We're bad about compliments. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah I think we're we're but but it's um yeah as as you both highlighted the writing community is is always there to to back us up and that's that's a yeah. that's a really good feeling you know um you know and and certainly they've they've got me through a lot of you know a lot of uh, tough moments and you know I've had a lot of really supportive conversations especially with Crystal you know um you know that have that have definitely you know been there to to you know bolster me when when things are are tough so thank you for that and you know yeah. um these 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 little support groups that we've we formulate and these these little groups you formulate you know yeah definitely couldn't couldn't wouldn't be wouldn't be doing it without them right it, it makes it yeah. worthwhile um you know and um you know when i think you know when you both talked about writing not being a solitary thing um you know it's leaning on people for all kinds of advice whether it's editing or you know how to navigate amazon or you know like so many aspects <laughs> yeah. getting the right cover artists so many aspects that just you know you, you when you think about um you know how what it goes into actually getting your book to the finish line if you you know when you write that acknowledgement page you, you know most of us are usually thinking about wow you know this wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for so and so and so and so and so and so as input and, and influence and you know it's kind of phenomenal when you think about that that you know you know that, that saying it takes a, a village to raise a child it takes a village to yeah. write a book <laughs> to get it published right yeah, yeah. and yeah. It, it it's always funny to me like to to sit back and think about the connections and how random they are and yet how how yeah. it seems like we are delivered exactly the right people at exactly the right moment for no reason except because we were out in the world waiting you know um, yeah, yeah it, i think if you have um a little bit of faith in the impossible you can you can make magic as fantasy writers, we should have that, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. Yeah, yeah. That was should... oh, that was one of the things I was afraid of when I started actually writing. That it was that I because I didn't know anybody or I didn't know a lot of people, and I thought, oh, how will I do this myself? And you know, that was a that fear was boundless because the the community the writing community is is great and like there are people out there and all you have to do is just put yourself out and didn't you know and and you'll yeah it's it's like like-minded people kind of attract each other and yeah. and and you kind of kind of congregate together and and it'll 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 happen you know it's um so now when I write my acknowledgments, I, th I think sometimes I think about that. I was like, wow, I, I didn't think because I would read people's acknowledgments pages and I was like, there's no way I'll ever know this many people. And, <laughs> and now I get to write these acknowledgment pages and that makes me happy. So, yeah. 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 On that note, I want to also take some time, especially to acknowledge Steve. You know, we talked about this a lot last podcast that, you know, booktubers, especially um, in this era of, you know, the pandemic, where we've lost, you know, we're just getting back, you know, book conventions, physical book fairs, you know, book signings and all this stuff, you know, booktubers have, have really um, kind of almost stepped in to fill the gap in that void to really yeah. help, help get our works out there. And, you know, Steve, thank you so much for all you do and, and those like you with, you know, promoting our works and, you know, interviewing authors and, and getting, getting the word out there. So thank you, my friend, for, for what you do. It's, it's invaluable, you know. 
I definitely it, agree. It, like, we, no, none of us would be here talking about any of this without readers and without bloggers and, you know, the booktubers and just like kind of no writer is an island, you know, to where, you know, we could, we can write to our heart's content, but if there's nobody there waiting to read, then, um, we don't get very far and i mean certainly there's value in writing just for ourselves but then once we go out into the world it's it's yeah. for people yeah so yeah exactly exactly so thank you steve yeah it's yes. my pleasure <laughs> <laughs> i have a question for for all of you is i always think it's interesting how everyone has a different definition of the term grimdark and some people don't think i know that you've probably been asked this a thousand times but i, I want to make a video about this but all, everyone's different interpretations and everyone's different definitions so what is everyone's definition what are the trademarks or what are the key the key themes or uh, what what makes a book or a, a, a story grimdark in your opinion i'll let angela and crystal answer that I um I I wasn't necessarily sure if I was even writing Grimdark, um, especially because uh, I was friends with Clayton, uh, and I still am friends with Clayton, and his books definitely definitely that bar. <laughs> um, and I I I, I remember <laughs> talking to him a few times, going like what I'm writing isn't that dark, is it? Like, there's no way, like, if, if I if I call this grimdark, people are going to be disappointed because it's not it's not there. But um, I've, you know, hit a readership and I've learned that actually it is quite dark. Oops, <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> um, and, and I think, I think um, grimdark is built kind of on systems that support um, the difficulty and the bleakness and the and the ugliness and so um, whether or not the characters are morally gray is kind of a sliding scale and whether or not it's super violent is a sliding scale but it feels like um, what they're fighting against if 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 it's a big bad evil that's very contained it's not it's not grim dark but if they're fighting against humanity's darkest nature in a way that's really widespread it starts to fall into that that category where um grim dark is a place where people kind of make eye contact with how ugly the average person is capable of being um and ask some pretty uncomfortable questions. And I, I think, and so it's it's a spectrum. Um, and some of us, and Fortune's Fool is really close to the, the far end of the spectrum where it's, it's starting to toe the line a little bit, but it, it's kind of hard. Nobody seems to really agree. And then you get into, into me at Brightwash where you know, the, the system is very oppressive and very bleak and, you know, energy units, but there's still hope and there's still a lot of love. But And then you get into Clayton Snyder's work and certainly he, he flirts with the idea of hope, but 
man, you really got to work for it. Um, and you've got to, you've got to suffer a lot to get it. And so, and so I think Grimdark is, is built on the wider system of how hard life can be. Um, and that's not to say that other genres don't, it's just, I think it's an important theme, a core value of the genre that makes it um, slide into some uncomfortable things for people. So if Angela, you have anything to add? No, I mean, cause Grimdark is, it's really hard to kind of, you know, like you get 10 people together who write yeah. Dark fantasy, yeah. and they're all going to yeah. have different definitions for it. And like Crystal said, a, a lot of times, like when I was writing Fortune School, and after it came out, you know, um, I would say it's not that dark, is it? You know, and people would be like, "Yes, <laughs> there are those things in it that are very dark, Angela." But, um, but I, I do think that it has something to do probably because you can have morally gray characters, you can have grimy worlds, you can have all that and you can still have them in classic fantasy or high yeah. fantasy. And I think it, I don't know, but I'm sort of leaning toward a definition where it has to do like Crystal said with the institutions and the systemic nature of the world where it's just the bleakness kind of through it and the and the characters may not have a lot of agency to change that so they're sort of working towards something maybe but maybe, what they're working well but what they're working toward may not lead to like the standard you know classic happy. fantasy happy ending or a happy for now ending even it may be much more <laughs> conflicted um so that you're looking at you know like what the choices the characters make where you're trying to figure out they're not they're the where the grayness comes in they're not black and white they're not de de definitively good or bad they're some sort of mix and dependent on you know circumstance so i think that people often try they kind of confuse grimdark with things that are really violent or um stories that have just a bunch of awful people in them and certainly i think some grimdark books can have that but i don't think that that's really what the subgenre is all about you know it's it's a certain set of books are like that but they don't define grimdark yeah, it's the spectrum, right? Like right. there's, is it, there are authors doing that and they're, they're saying some really poignant things, but there's, there's also like, there's others in, in the genre that are, are saying kind of the same things, but with slightly different tools. Um, and I think I, I, sometimes I wonder if it's, it's something about fantasy because certainly I've read books um, that are contemporary. You know, I, I really like um, thrillers and mystery novels. Dennis Lehane is a fantastic writer. And nothing I've ever re read in fantasy approaches the, the themes that Dennis Lehane tries to tackle in, in, in Boston, you know, like in the real world. Yeah. And so I, I think the conversation came about because 
uh, fantasy had a tendency to be more escapist. Mm -hmm. um, and then at some point, writers started saying, well, hang on. <laughs> what what else could we say? And 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 the escapist stuff is great. And, you know, but I think um, it, it's just a, a strange conversation for me to to watch as somebody who reads so many different genres because like I said, like I've read stuff about real history that's much worse than anything that some people have classified <laughs> as grimdark novels. So that's a, probably another reason why I thought, oh, Brightwash isn't that bad. Fortune's <laughs> Fool isn't that bad. Although your next one is, is I think I think it's on a similar level as. Yeah, it may go yeah. over the line into grimdark. It, 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 it is. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I, it's, it's, <laughs> I think too that it's a, one of those things where you write a book and then people categorize it however they categorize it, you know? Yeah. So you put it out and you can try to market it like, okay, I think it's about these things. And then people pick it up. And if people will tell, oh, and then you'll see it in reviews, like they'll pick up on the thing, you know, and you're like, oh, okay. So that's really what my book is. So, you know. Yeah, I think, I think, I think it's hard for, us as writers to know what what we've done until we see yeah. people interacting yeah. with it and i do wonder if that's part of why there's a disconnect in the community where readers are telling us hey are you okay and we're going what yeah. right, it's fine you're fine it's, it's fine it's not that dark it's fine <laughs> um and i i think that's why fantasy struggles so much because <laughs> readers readers are wondering <laughs> what's up with with grim dark writers <laughs> and we're like it's fine <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's 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 crazy and 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 two parts to, to my response um and I, I wish i could attribute it to the right um to the right uh crystal and angela so so michael r fletcher again probably widely known as there was and i'm trying to remember what the whether it was good Magazine voted it was mark it was no it was a mark oh, yeah, lawrence mark lawrence um, yeah he was voted as the, his book was the grim darkest of grim dark yeah. book out there. He did a poll and 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 Fletch came up as that. And and but but Fletch put out an interesting and forgive me and 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 I, I don't remember if it was a tweet or Fletch did a it, was, it could have been an article and he said basically he used the analogy of 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 in fantasy um, uh, fantasy trope con fantasy trope is that there's always an in. You show up at a tavern or an inn, right? Oh, yeah, and he said something yeah, like basically, like you know, it, you know, high fantasy is when you know the 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 the, the, the barmaid is buxom yeah. and gorgeous, and and the hero has washboard abs, and you know, he's, you know, everything's perfect. Yeah. And then you know, then there's like dark fantasy where like you know things aren't you know there's there's maybe the the slosh you know the beer sloshed on the on the counter, and you know maybe the person isn't in that good shape, and. They're a bit troubled and all that, but then Grimdark is like the doors falling <laughs> off the tavern and you know it's, it's full of rats and you know like you know no, you know every, the, the bartender pulls a dirk out and puts on the counter when when you know, they walk in to serve you a drink and and you know yeah. he was trying yeah. to illustrate that that difference between you know what you know yeah, what the, Grim, the systems yeah, yeah the, the systems like how and how people perceive it that these these worlds are so the opposite being pristine and. And you know, but 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 I think that you know, for me, like, and I remember being, and I said this on a previous podcast. I remember because I have this love hate relationship with what a lot of people call grimdark. And at first, I wouldn't read it because I thought I wouldn't enjoy it. And then I found myself as actually 
even though I, first of all, I realized that I had already read some books that were considered grimdark without really realizing they were grimdark. We were advertised that way. And second of all, it was actually Holly Tinsley's book. I said this on um, on a previous podcast that that was my first real introduction to something that I knew was really grim, and I loved it. And I and she's also an SPFPO finalist currently. And I thought, okay, you know, like, and it really gave me act. It opened my eyes to really what grim bear is because although, for example, I know. Um, you know, both your books are kind of market advertised as being like somewhat grimdark or dark fantasy, certainly crystals with like gas lamp grimdark. You know, I, I don't, I didn't look at them that way, but the, the worst, the bottom of me is when a fellow writer who I respect immensely, you know, said, you write moral grimdark. And I'm like, what? I was so offended at first, right? Like, I don't write grimdark. And, and then, no, you write moral grimdark. I was like, and then I sat down and I thought about it. I'm like, oh, well, guess, yeah, maybe I do. Right, because I write yeah. all about religious intolerance, racism, misogyny, homophobia. My character is extremely flawed and bigoted. He's the POV. He's the it's a first person POV. Like, yeah, I'm writing. It's what they said. What you're writing is more grimdark. Like, oh, I guess so. So, yeah, you know. you're you're talking about systems and how how they, you know, when they're built to oppress, then yeah. Exactly. How do you so, overcome that? And I, I think that's that's something that Grimdark is is trying to ask. Like, how do you, how do you, even find a happy ending in a world where the system is built to beat you down? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 that that is, I think, more and more. If I if I'm going to try and put, and I know it's not fair to put Grimdark in a box. We all have our own yeah. boxes and our delineations of. Of what Grimdark is and isn't. If I can, if for for my purposes, for PL Stewart's purposes, if I put Grimdark in a box, it is exactly the definition that Crystal gave of you know, it's these systems that are that are very oppressive, dark. There's an element of 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 the the protagonist or people characters involved being unable to to escape the bounds of this system. They're very confined and trapped within the system, and either they either exploit the system, maybe they're part of yeah. of the actual system regime that's 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 in that's basically in charge of this this oppressive system or they're trying to escape it and that's now how i'm trying to i'm starting to form my unique definition of of what grimdark is and 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 um but that doesn't but that still doesn't cover everything right that still doesn't cover oh yeah um you know a good portion of the genre that doesn't fall into that category but i have to acknowledge it's still grimdark so you know um again it's very subjective and and uh but like steve that's an excellent question and and uh you know steve what what do you think grimdark is steve like what you, <laughs> well, you're, because for you like you're a horror like you're i think your first love is horror and and horror and grimdark have a lot of common elements and you know you may find that something that i think is oh my god that's dark you're like <laughs> well, not really but you know what i mean like how do you like how do you define grimdark like Oh, I can't, can't hear you. Sorry. Oh. What about now? Oh, yeah. Yep. Sorry, my thing was off. Uh, I've been trying to collect my thoughts on this one for a while. I'll try to. So, I can hear you, but just uh, maybe closer to the mic. Yeah, that's weird. Can you hear me now? Still a bit fuzzy, but yeah. Be right back. Okay. Yeah, he was uh, muted for too long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe, but yeah, it's just funny how this whole grimdark discussion, like, 
you know, you see these conversations, especially on Twitter. It's like, wow. So there yeah. he is. What about now? A bit better. Better? Okay. Yeah. I'm not sure what's going on with my mic. It's acting weird. Uh, but for me, the the main uh, theme for Grimdark has been consequences is the main thing that I've kind of wrapped my head around is everything has a, there's consequences to every action and the bad things oh. that happen, there'll be consequences later for it. So that's the main, the main thing. I've been trying to write down some things, but that's the first thing that came to mind. And I actually got that from Peter McLean is when I asked him, he said, consequences, that's always kind of stuck with me. Yeah, I, that's probably a good point because uh, even yeah. even if if you're trying to make a good choice, there are consequences for people that maybe you didn't intend and maybe you didn't even see. Oh, that's a good. Yeah, and I think that leads to like the kind of more realism type styles that you kind of see in grimdark you know like as opposed to like classic fantasy where you can have battles and stuff and a lot of people die or you know and the the hero jumps up after taking a wound and, and the next day they're fine and and that doesn't happen so much in, in grimdark you know like those things have have consequences, like you said, like they're they're more like what would go on if that happened in the the real world in like reality, you know. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's less escapist, I guess, and more trying to deal with the um, uh, you know subject matter that comes up that's maybe difficult to. Yeah grapple with but it's it's trying to do it in a way that lets people process that i guess you know instead of kind of just sweeping it under the rug i suppose yeah grimdark also i think was the first the first type of fantasy to deal with um the emotional consequences ptsd you know yeah. how people feel emotion in re reaction to a fight or a battle or you know like because you know, the classic fantasy tended not to delve into that aspect, yeah. right? It didn't talk yeah. about the, the hero who's traumatized after the battle for days or, you know, who sees the, the ghosts of, of the people he slew or, you know, it, it, you know, grim dark really, you know, gets into that element of, you know, like, um, you know, and, and, and again, like when I think about Andrew's books, when I think about Crystal's books, like, you know, um, Kira specifically, you know, is 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 traumatized by not only um, the actions that 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 basically lead up to her losing her arm, right? I don't want right. to give any spoilers her here, yeah. but you know, she's she's traumatized by that entire yeah. and it and it shapes her entire existence. Right. Um, you know, and 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 obviously Tashue, you know, um, you know, grapples with you know, all the consequences of him being in the position he's in and what that means yeah. for his family, what that means for his romantic relationships, what that means for like every aspect of his life. And, you know, you classic high fantasy, you don't get that. That element is not, is not as much of a factor. Um, you know, certainly it's never, it's the, the extra, the, the extrapolation, the in-depth dive isn't there about. about I think you're, stuff. I think we're starting to see more of it. Um, and like, which it, it's an interesting evolution to watch um, where 
you know, one genre kind of starts, or one subgenre starts to try to talk about a thing, and then other genres are, are kind of following along, and then they move the conversation around. So it's really interesting. Um, I think, um, I, I lost my train of thought, but yeah, it, it's not something that I saw in fantasy um, 30 years ago so much, but it's something that um, I started to see when I was reading um, David Gemmel, and then it's something that I also saw when I came back to fantasy with uh, Anthony Ryan and Brian Stavely, although I think some people classify those two gentlemen as grimdark, so maybe yeah, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but, but certainly, yeah, there, there seems to be a, um, an entire shift um, in, in, in SFF where um, the stories are starting to resonate on a more um, human level and less about escapism and and even the ones that are escapist like um quen's novel miss percy mm -hmm. is cozy and light and escapist but even even there she is grappling with some um some big questions about um life and stuff i i, I can't um so yeah it's i but then yeah i think you're right to say that grimdark um, started to ask those questions and then a lot of other fantasies started to follow in in the footsteps and certainly um, maybe maybe it's kind of a, a self-selecting thing where those are the stories that I remember <laughs> the most but um, yeah that's that's the end of my babbling <laughs> yeah and and oh sorry I'll, I'll get oh, to that okay. after this question yeah, there sorry Steve all, all running is an act of magic yeah 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 i i know that now i've reached a point in my life where as painful as it might be sometimes i need books that resonate with me yeah i can read yeah. books for pure escapism and we talked about this um on the previous podcast with with lana and and taylor and zamil that you know the the travis baldry stuff i'm dying to read it you know yeah. the the the, the latte's book like that sounds fantastic you know, I'm looking for it, you know, I'm sure it sounds like light reading and, you know, although I'm, you know, who knows, he, you know, he very well, well may tackle some compelling and thought provoking things. But, but um, I find that what I gravitate towards now are books that resonate with me yeah. uh, long after I, I close the book and finish the last page. And, and I can definitely say that about your books, both, both of your books specifically that afterwards I had to sit down and go, wow, you know, <laughs> and, and, and just kind of, absorb it and take it in it takes a while to write the review because and it's not and it's not because the books are long it's because you're you're trying to process and do justice to all the facets that really you know really get you and really hit you in the feels and you know you you want to you want to do justice to that and and it's and it's but those are the kind of books that i crave yeah. right as much as i i like reading books that yeah okay you know it's 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 quick it's it's you know it's fast it's Paste, you know, and, and it's done, and yeah, it's great, and that was a great book, and it may still be a great book. It's just a different kind of great book. Yeah. But I I feel that you know, like as as Crystal said, you know, pacing and all that. Yeah, okay. But I I want those books that not only that I am immersed in, but that afterwards I remember they they've made an impact on me. Like there's a there's like a piece of me left in that book, right? Or the author has yeah. imprinted a piece of them in me. 
in terms of what they're trying to say, right? Because, you know, yeah. I, I believe without speaking for both of you, I know that's how I write. I think having had conversations, you know, especially with, with Crystal and, and obviously I, I'm sure Andrew feels the same way that we lose so many pieces of ourselves in these books. Yeah. There's there's so much of a trail of our, our own, you know, foibles and, and, and you know, and idiosyncrasies and, and, and mannerisms and, and faults and positive things and we just leave this trail that these breadcrumbs that really only we see um you know the reader may pick will certainly pick up on them but may not attribute it to us directly but but you know there's there's parts of us usually or people we know or that that are in there and they come out consciously or subconsciously and um you know i think that's for us as writers that what makes our book so dear to us because of of those pieces that we we leave in there, you know, writing a book is, is that real emotional um, journey. And after you're yeah. finished, you're like, wow. Like sometimes I go back now, I read my book. I'm like, holy moly. I wrote that, eh? <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's pretty, that's pretty heavy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, um, you know, and, and I, and I, but I, I don't regret it whatsoever. And, and, you right. know, I think um, for me, that very much makes a book worthwhile reading these days when I have that that after close plays I'm like wow whew, that was you know yeah yeah <laughs> that was a journey yeah that. yeah I definitely I relate and I mean I read um I just finished uh Carissa Broadbent's book and hers is much lighter um and it's very um it's really beautifully done it's it's a great uh romantic fantasy um and she really treads the line between um, coming over into the darkness, but not quite. So um, I wouldn't classify it as grimdark. It's certainly, it's more of a of a of a, a lighter. I don't. I don't even want to say it's light because it it deals with some really heavy themes as well, but. Um, that one left an impact on me on how she balanced that there's an awareness from that narrative that that yes she knows that her main character has gone through a lot but she delivers it a little bit more gently than i would have and she she did it really well it's maybe like a step or two lighter than fortune's fool um okay. Okay. speaking of the spectrum but it, it was brilliantly done so yeah certainly there's it's hard to identify exactly what it is that makes a book so special um, to me personally as a reader, but it, there is definitely um, that willingness to get really personal. Yeah. Um, that always stays with me. Yeah, and the characters, like if if a writer, you, I think you can tell when the writers are treating their characters as real people, yeah. and um, you know, so I think that that, whether the book's lighter, darker, I, I just want to see um, a certain honesty in dealing yeah. with the, yeah. the characters and who they are and their emotions and relationships, you know, whatever, whatever they are. Um, and I think that's what I guess I really get attached to the characters more than I yeah. do. The, the story because a lot of times I'll yeah. just totally the plot 
after I read the books, but the characters will stick yes. with me for a yeah. long time. So, yeah, I totally agree. I'm very much, we talked about that with Thomas and uh, Mark that, and the three of us definitely agreed on that. And it's the kind of books we write where, you know, if you give me uh, immersive world building and, and great character development, you know, there's a lot of things that I can, that I, that I, that I can, I can get along without in a book, yeah. but those are the two things that I need for me to really, for you to really hook me in a book. Um, I've read books that are great with, you know, the action scenes and battle scenes and, you know, other things, you know, and, and it's like this fast place, you know, thrilling plot and it's just, you know, page turner. But um, yeah, I, I, I've, a lot of the books I've liked don't have uh, that in, in the, in the degree that other ones do, you know, like I, I think I use the, the, the analogy of like Evan Winter, who's a great writer and he does have great world building, but he, his, his trademark is these visceral battle scenes that just yeah. like it's from battle yeah. scene to battle scene to battle scene to battle scene. And, and you can read those books and it's an adrenaline rush. And, and it's not that he doesn't have great world building. He does. I don't want to take that away from him, but it's just that the focus becomes that, that, that action, action, action. And, um, you know, I think for me, I, 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 while his books have resonated with me, it's the books that don't have that, that nonstop, you know, and just like that really, really, um, get to me like your books, right. That, that have, you know, there's action elements, but it's not, you know, um, I, I can sit back and just kind of smell the roses, enjoy the spices in the market and Angela's, <laughs> yeah. and Angela's book, right? And, and all the, the different scents and, you know, um, you know, you know, smell the, 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 the smell of, you know, smoke and, and, and what the, what the whiskey takes, tastes like in, in Crystal's book. And, you know, those, those are the things that, you know, like I said, I, I, you know, if you ask me about as great a writer as Evan Winter is, if you ask me about, um, you know, some of the battle scenes. I, I remember they were vi- they were visceral and they're amazing and I, I got a thrill, but I, I can't describe everything about them in my mind right now, but I can describe a lot of those elements um, in terms of world building and the character development and how I felt when, you know, um, you know, Kira or Tashaway had this really um, heart-wrenching moment, right? Like I can tell you what that passage was almost, but not verbatim, but I can tell you how I felt like inside, right? How they yeah. feel so yeah. you know that that you know that's what i crave so yeah, yeah the, the, we're definitely on the same page which is probably why uh we're all talking yeah. together <laughs> <at this moment. laughs> yeah yeah but um well i know we, we you know we're running close to the two-hour mark i i i you know although i i I, I could literally sit down and talk to you guys forever. It's more <laughs> it's more for the purposes of uh of the, the length of the broadcast. So um, you know, and I sure we might have a few comments after that, after we're done. But um, <laughs> you know, I just wanna uh thank you two so much for for joining us, taking time out of your holiday weekend to, you know, to do this and spending it with your families. You know, I know you both have, you know, large families and your you know, there's a lot of things you were doing and you're both very busy, uh, besides everything else you're doing with your writing and um, thank you so, so much for, um, you know, being such upstanding members of the writing community and oh, well. so supportive and, and, you know, just uh, honored to know you and, um, you know, uh, all the best with both of your writing, obviously, and, and, and Crystal in particular with the current uh, SPFBO uh, finals and, um, you know, uh, Angela with your, your upcoming works and, and Crystal too. And, you know, just uh, thank you for coming. For joining thank us. you very much for having us on. 
Yes, yeah. thank you very much. Yeah. yeah, can you can you can you uh, ladies um, let us know? Um, you know, uh, where is the best place to reach you? Um, you know, your 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 social media preferred platforms, um, your websites. Um, you know, uh, things like that. Before we we wrap up. You can go first this time, Crystal. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm most available on Twitter. It's just at Crystal Matar. And then I have um, a website that I don't update very often at crystalmatar.com. I'm also on Instagram, but not very much. And it's the same Crystal Matar. I'm using that unusual name <laughs> to its fullest potential. Um, I think that's about it for me. Yeah, and I um, I have a website that I also don't update very much. <laughs> um, it's uh, angelaboard.com. And um, you can sign up for my newsletter there, though. And I do try to keep up with my newsletter. It's supposed to come out monthly. Sometimes I don't hit quite monthly, but it's, uh, you know, close. And then I'm on Twitter as AngelaBoard. Um, too and uh that's that's pretty much it i tried i i need to i would like to do more social media but it seems like twitter is battle that i can handle sometimes so yeah it's a handful yeah yeah <laughs> and steve what about you what are your uh where, where can we get a hold of you and what are your your preferred uh, oh, you, uh, you can find uh, we actually just changed the website to page chewing.com so, okay. And uh, it can be found on Twitter. And also, I like to use Vero because there's no algorithm, and you see people that you actually follow in your timeline, and it's kind of nice. So I enjoy. Oh yes, I remember you tweeted about that not too long ago, and then I promptly forgot to check it out. <laughs> so this is my reminder. <laughs> yeah, I do enjoy that because it's it seems like it's, it's more relaxing. It's it's a great platform, but. Not many people use it, which is a bummer, but you know, it's relaxing. So that's the best place to find me though. And of course here on YouTube, but I hope you can hear me. Okay. I know my mic's been giving me grief tonight, but thanks everyone for, uh, thank you so much, Angela and Crystal for joining us. And of course, PL being wonderful as usual. Thank you so much for, for coming by and we'll see you next time. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye.